Thank you, Pastor John. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you today. It's good to see you. Good morning. Thank you for being here at Lindsey Lane Baptist Church. I appreciate you being here. Yeah, pray. Clap. I like it when you clap. I like it when you say amen. The more you say amen, the quicker we'll get out, all right? I doubt that, but anyway, it sounded good. Anyway, I appreciate you being here today. Thank you for making the effort today to be in the Lord's house. I appreciate all of you. It's good to see a lot of you that haven't seen in a while. I sit over there with my family. It's good to have my family over there. That's money well spent, amen? Just to have them here. I appreciate them coming today, and I appreciate you being here today as well. I really appreciate our pastor, Andy John King. I'm telling you, that boy's been preaching, amen? He's been preaching the Word of God. I appreciate him. He's my dear friend. He's also my pastor. I love him dearly, and I appreciate the way he prepares the messages that he's been preaching. He's really inspired me and helped me to grow as a Christian as well. So I appreciate Pastor Andy John. And uh, I appreciate what he's doing. He's in the omission trip. He's up with my good friend Rick Young and Wendy at Watermark Church today. He's preaching there. He's taking the team on mission. And I appreciate our pastor leading out in missions. Amen? Appreciate his example. And uh, I really appreciate his diligence to really prepare and preaching the Word of God. He's preached some great messages from the truths of God's Word. And I really appreciate Pastor Andy John preaching some good sermons. Amen? Reminds me of little Johnny. <laughs> little Johnny went up to his pastor and said, Pastor John, I hope you have a good sermon today. He said, well, thank you, little Johnny. I appreciate that. He said, by the way, what entails a good sermon? What do you mean a good sermon? He said, well, my daddy said it has a good beginning and a good ending, and they're close together. So uh, <laughs> I hope I have a good sermon today. I appreciate you praying for me today and being here today as well. God is greatly blessing. Open your Bibles, if you will, today to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. Our pastor has really been diligent in preaching hermeneutical sermons. That big word just simply means the doctrine of the Bible. He preaches the Bible. And today I'm going to preach on the doctrine of soteriology. Now that's a big old word, isn't it? The doctrine of soteriology simply means the doctrine of salvation. So I'm going to talk to you today on the simple message today. It's a big word, but the message is very simple today. So I really want to connect with you today. I want you to really come in and listen today and really hear the simplicity of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you think about salvation, it's pretty simple. So what is salvation? Let's talk about this just for a moment. What is salvation? What does it really mean? What does it mean when somebody says, I'm saved? Or what does it mean when somebody tells you, I've been born again? Or when one of our children say, I asked Jesus to come into my heart. What does that actually mean? Well, John 3, 16, what does that talk about when the Bible says, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What does that passage of Scripture mean? What does Romans 10, 13 mean when it says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. What does those passages mean? Well, I, I, believe it, I believe that man, and especially pastors, have complicated salvation. I really do. I believe a child can understand how to be saved. I tell you, we've witnessed many children here at Lindsay Lane 
being saved. Amen? Have you noticed that? We've had a lot of children here at Lindsay Lane come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't think to them it's very complicated. I really don't. But let me ask you this. Why don't we see more adults being saved? How come we don't see a lot of adults being baptized and coming to the altar and being saved? You know why? Because I believe to us adults, sometimes it's complicated. We've complicated salvation. We've complicated being saved. We don't really understand the meaning of what it truly means to know Christ as our personal Savior. And we've injected a lot of things in there. And so there's a lot of reasons for that. And I, I reminded of the Bible in Nicodemus. You remember the, the Jewish ruler Nicodemus? He was a Pharisee, a member of the Sanhedrin. He was steeped in theology of the Jewish history, history and theology. But he came to Jesus by night. And Jesus said, Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. And what did Nicodemus say? Well, what in the world does that mean? What are you talking about being born again? How can a man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? See, this Jewish ruler, member of the Sanhedrin, he didn't really understand what Jesus meant when he said, Nicodemus, you must be born again, or Nicodemus, you must be saved. And Jesus explained it to him. He gave him a vivid illustration of a man's physical birth, being born of the mother's water. You've got to be born of the water, Nicodemus, and you've got to be born of the Spirit. Everyone in here and everyone watching today has been born once. We've all had that physical birth by our mom. But the question is, have you ever been born spiritually within? Have you ever asked Christ to come into your heart and receive the Holy Spirit of God that enlightened you to what salvation really means for the Christian? And so Jesus gave a vivid illustration to Nicodemus. And so what I'm going to do today, I want to give you a vivid, vivid illustration of what it actually means to be saved. Now, Jesus, we talked about not long ago, we talked about who's your one. Matter of fact, I preached a series of messages on who's your one. Jesus had many ones, right? He had, the, he had uh, Mary Magdalene. She was a prostitute. Jesus led her to the Lord. She asked Christ to be her Savior. So Jesus had, had Mary Magdalene. He also had the woman at the well, had five husbands. The one she was living with was not her husband. And Jesus explained to her what it meant for him to be her Savior. So she came to know Christ. What about Zacchaeus? Remember Zacchaeus up in the sycamore tree? He was a wee little man, wasn't he? And Jesus led, went to his house and led him to Christ, if you will, how to be saved. And so Jesus had many ones. Now, here's my question today. Who was Jesus' last one? Who was the last one that Jesus really, if you will, led to Christ? It was a thief on the cross, wasn't it? It was Jesus' last one. And so today I want to give you this vivid illustration of what it means to be saved. Now, behind me I have three crosses. There were three men on three crosses on Calvary's Hill, Golgotha that day. All three of them are there because of sin. All three are on the crosses at Calvary because of sin, right? The Bible says in Romans 3.23, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us. The Bible also says in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin, 
The price of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So we see three men on three crosses. And all three are there because of sin. Now what I want to do now, I want to, we want to show you who these guys are. And so I have a vivid imagination, right? And so I want to just share with you these three men. We're going to call this guy Joe. No offense to anybody in here named Joe, all right? So this is Joe on Jesus' left on the, on the cross. And then on his right, we're going to call this guy John. This is John. All right? There's John. John straight. And then that middle cross is who? That's right. Jesus. Now, I'm a pastor, so they all start with J, all right? So that's, a, that's for alliteration. Jesus is on the middle cross. So don't misunderstand this. Three crosses, three men, and all of them are there because of sin. Now, Joe is there because he's a dying sinner. Joe's a dying sinner. He's here because he's dying with sin in him. He's a dying sinner because he's dying with sin in him. Now, John, as we're going to see in our text today, John is a dying saint. Because he's had sin, he's a sinner who became a saint, sin taken from him. And then Jesus is there because of sin upon him, right? Jesus committed no sin, but he's here because of sin upon him. Now, I want you to look at our text in Luke chapter 23, and I want to begin reading verse number 32. And I want you to watch this. Luke chapter 23, and we'll begin reading with verse number 32. Watch this. There were two others criminals. Notice that. There were two other criminals led with him to be put to death. Notice the prophecy being fulfilled. Jesus was numbered with the transgressors. He was numbered with those criminals. Even though he wasn't a criminal, he was treated like one. Verse 33, and when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right, that's John, and the other on the left, that would be Joe. And then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered. And he, sa he, he saved others, let him save himself. And if he is the Christ, the chosen of God, the, the soldiers also mocked him and said, and coming and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription also was written over him in the letters of the Greek, Pilate put it there, is in the Greek, Latin, and also Hebrew that said, this is the king of the Jews. We believe that was the first gospel track put over Jesus' head. This is the king 
of the Jews. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray now that, God, you would bring to our hearts and our mind what it really means to be saved. Father, speak to our hearts. There's many in this room, there's many watching that need to be saved today. And Father, I hope through the foolishness of preaching that they would come to know Christ in an intimate, personal way, not through religion, but through a relationship with our Lord and our Savior who you sent to be sin for us. And it's in his name we pray, amen and amen. Now, I want you to notice this first cross. We have Joe, who's a dying sinner. Joe is a dying sinner. Joe is dying with sin in him. And John is dying with sin on him, if you will, taken away. And then Jesus has sin upon him. All of these are here because of sin. Now, I want you to know something about this cross that Joe's on. This is the cross of rejection. The cross of rejection. Now, why is that? Well, it's in our text. It's in our text. And I want you to see that today. I want you to look at verse number 39. Now, listen to what's happening here on Golgotha. For three hours from 12 noon to 3 p.m., they're dying there. They're hanging there. They're crucified. But there's a dialogue going on. There's a conversation between these three men that we're privy to through the Gospel of Luke. So we have some insight of what's being said while they're there dying because of sin. Now look in verse 39 at Joe. Look what Joe said. Verse 39. Then one of the thieves who was hanged blasphemed him and said, If you are the Christ, save yourself and save us. This is the cross of many today. Now, by the way, these two crosses, John and Joe, are representative of all of mankind. Everybody in this room and those watching today, you are represented by one of these two crosses. There's no middle ground. There's no other option. You're represented by these two men. All of us are. And so we see this cross of rejection that Joe is blaspheming or ridiculing Jesus. He said, hey, if you are the Christ, you who you say you are, you've done all these miracles and you're the miracle worker and everybody's bowing down to you. If you are him, why don't you save yourself? And by the way, why don't you save me too? So he's, he's, he's blaspheming the Lord Jesus Christ. He's dying in his sin. Jesus had something to say about that in John chapter 8 and verse 24. I want you to listen to this passage of Scripture. It's on the screen. John 8, 24. Jesus said, Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sin. For if you do not believe that I am He, you will die in your sin. Period. Amen? Is that what the Bible says? That's what Jesus said. If you don't believe that I'm who I say I am, then you're going to die in your sin, just like Job's dying in his sin. Because he didn't really believe that Jesus who, who, was who he said he was. He blasphemed him. He made fun of him. He mocked him. 
That's the cross of many today. There's many that are mocking Christ. They're, they're mocking him on some TV movies and TV shows and some of these comedians like Bill Maher and Kathy Griffin and some of these who aren't Christians will make fun of Christianity and they'll mock Jesus. It's just because they don't know Christ. They've never met him. They don't know who he is. And like Joe, they ridicule Jesus and mock him. Now, I want you to notice this about Joe. Joe was a thug. He was a criminal. He was a thief and even a murderer. But listen, his greatest sin wasn't those things. His greatest sin wasn't he was a criminal or a murderer or a thief. His greatest sin, the one that's going to send him to hell, is the sin of unbelief. That's his greatest sin. He will refuse to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. His greatest sin is the sin of unbelief. You must believe by faith that Jesus is who he says he is. Now, you see this water bottle. It's got this H2O water in it, right? How many of you believe that this water will quench my thirst? Right? Just say amen. Let's get that going, right? Amen. Right? I believe that too. But let me ask you this. What good is that water doing me right now? Absolutely nothing. I believe it'll quench my thirst. I believe if I even take a drink of it, it'll quench my thirst. But right now, it's doing me no good. Because I haven't implemented it. But now when I take it, and I believe it'll quench my thirst, I take the top off. Mm. Now I believed because I implemented what I believed would quench my thirst. Joe didn't believe. He heard of Jesus. I mean, they both heard about Jesus, but he blasphemed him. If you are the Christ, save yourself and save me. And then we have another cross with John who's a dying saint, this is a cross of reception. I want to show this to you in Scripture. We saw how Joe rejected Christ. Now look at John. These are two criminals. Now, by the way, started out, even John was talking bad about Jesus, wasn't he? But something happened on that cross to John. Now all of a sudden he seems to believe in Jesus Christ. Let's look at the text. Watch the text. Now look with me in verse number 40. But the other, that would be John, the other thief, he answered the first one and rebuked him. He said, Joe, do you even, not even fear God? Seeing that you are under the same condemnation, we're getting the same thing he's getting. Don't you even fear God? Verse 41. And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds of our sin, if you will. But this man, Joe, this man, Jesus, has done nothing wrong. And then John said something that's very profound. I believe old John is hanging there. He looks over at Jesus, and he said, Jesus, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? Now, I want you to notice what happened to John. Why is he a dying sinner? He's a, he's a dying saint. He's a dying sinner. Because he believed. He did the ABCs 
of soteriology of salvation. He did what's necessary to be saved. First of all, he feared God. Don't you fear God? He accepted that God, Jesus was the Christ. And then he's confessed his sin. He confessed his, he's a sinner. You and I are getting what we deserve. We're up here because we deserve to be up here. We're sinners. We have sinned. And then he confessed that Jesus was the Christ and he believed in Christ. Jesus, if you remember me, please, when you come into your kingdom. So he believed that Jesus was going to be resurrected and go into his kingdom. Did he not? So that's why he's a dying saint. Because he believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. He believed that Jesus was who he said he was. And that's why John will join Jesus in paradise. He was separated by his sin. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Did you know that Jesus died for both of them? He spilt his blood, as we just sang, for John and Joe. Both of them have equal access to Jesus. One believed and one didn't. And I'm telling you, we've complicated salvation, but it's as simple as that. One believed and one didn't. Believed to the point that he confessed Jesus being the Christ and believed that Jesus was going to be resurrected and that he could be with him one day. He believed that. It's a deathbed confession. He almost waited too late. Amen? He almost waited too late. But nevertheless, he accepted Christ as his Savior. Job did not. And so we see that. And so you see the the conversation, the dialogue going on. Joe, don't you even fear God? Don't you believe in God? Uh -huh, no, not really. If you are the Christ, come off of this tree and save yourself and save me. He probably said something like this. It's not fair. I don't deserve this. I'm a good person. I'm really a good person. I've committed some crimes and I've done some things. I've stolen, beat some people up and kill somebody, but you know what? I'm still a good person. Why don't you let me in? Did you know that John never asked to come off of the cross? He never asked anything but mercy and grace. That's all he asked for. Christ, remember me when you come in to your kingdom. And so now we have the third cross. This is the cross of redemption. Amen? The great Redeemer is on the middle cross. His name is Jesus. He's redeeming sin. He paid the price for sin. Jesus did that. God demonstrated his love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for you and for me. Not when you got, not when you walked an aisle or not when you did. He died for you when you were at your worst. When you were a hellion. Whatever you've done in your past, whatever it is, you fill in the blank. You know and God knows. God died for that sin. He died for you this morning. You're not, you're not too bad for Jesus. 
Joe wasn't too bad for Jesus. He just wouldn't believe in him. He's a God of redemption. He came to redeem our sins. This is what the Bible says in Ephesians 1, 7. The Bible says, in him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. Did you hear that? In him, in Christ, we have forgiveness, redemption for our sins. If you'll only call on the name of the Lord, it's that simple. If you'll just call on the name of the Lord, say, I'm a sinner. Christ, I want you into my life. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. If you'll believe that, you can be saved, period. You can come to know Christ. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, I want you to hear this. He who knew no sin, Jesus, he became sin that Joe and John might become the righteousness of God in him. See, this could be you. This could be Dusty. This could be Don. Freddie, this could be you. He who knew no sin is dying because of sin placed upon him. Whose sin is that? It's mine. It's yours. He who knew no sin, he became sin. That's why he's on the cross. To redeem you of your sin, to become your sin, so that you can become a saint. Isn't that awesome? Do you believe that? Well, that's pretty complicated. No, it ain't. No, it's not. Bad English, good theology. Amen? It's not. It's not complicated, sir. You can be saved today. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to figure God out to be saved. That's why these children are coming, because they just want to be baptized in Jesus. They want Jesus to come in their heart. There come a time when Jesus began to stir their little heart, and they begin to know what sin was all about. Not all of it, but enough that an eight or nine-year-old can understand sin, and their heart begin to be convicted. And they begin to run to mom or dad or somebody else and say, I need to be saved. I want to be baptized. It's that simple, folks. And the reason adults don't do that is because we have too much stinking pride. What will other people think? I got a question for you. What's he going to think? That's who you got to answer to. What does he think? Are you going to spend eternity separated from him like Joe? Are you going to let go of that pride and say, I want to be saved like John? Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I believe in you. I don't know all about it. I don't know a lot about the Bible. All I know is I'm a sinner. And I read and Pastor Dusty said, you died for me. And I want to be saved today. I'm telling you, it's that simple. And then you have to li- then begin to live it. And by the way, you don't live it. He lives it through you. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit, that's what happened to me. I was 27 years old. I didn't, I didn't understand it either. I had so much pride. What will my friends think? All of that. I got so desperate. got on my face before God, 3 o'clock in the morning. I said, Jesus, save me. I'm tired of being lost. And I want to go to heaven with you. That's all I said. 
And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit of God came into my heart and began to change me inside out. My thinking, my way of thinking, all of that. I wanted to be saved. And I'm telling you, God will do a great work in your life if you'll only let him and come to him. I'm telling you, Jesus loves you more than you know today. Nobody else can take this cross. Nobody but Jesus. Amen? But these two crosses, they represent everybody in here, everybody watching, everybody living. These two crosses represent mankind. You either believe in Jesus and accept him as your Savior, or you don't. It's really that simple. And so I'm praying for you today that you would come to know Christ as your Savior. You must choose today. You've got to make a choice. Pastor Dusty is going to ask you in a moment to come and make a choice based on your relationship with Christ or your lack of relationship with Christ. If you want a relationship, I'm not talking about joining the church per se. I'm not talking about reading your Bible every day or praying and all those things right now. I'm talking about just meeting Jesus. And once you meet Jesus, you have a desire to read the Word of God and to pray and become a member of the church. But see, we've got all that backwards, hadn't we? We've so complicated it. Well, if I walk in, I got to do this. I got to say that. They're going to take me back there and drill me, all of that. We've got all this complication going on in our mind. And the devil's going to make sure that it's complicated to you. He's going to talk you out of it. But I'm telling you, when you walk down that aisle, that first step, or you say, Lord, come into my heart, I'm telling you, Jesus takes over. I've been where you are, and I know what I'm talking about. I know how God can change a person's life. He gave my wife a new husband. He gave my daughter a new daddy. And he gave the church a faithful member. And it's all because of Jesus. Just that I said yes like John did. I was like Joe, a thug, a hellion, until I met Jesus. He made all the difference. Two thieves were on a cross one day. They were hanging there for sins to pay. In the middle was another man, the one who drew salvation's plan. Turning to the thief, Joe said, I hear tell how thousands you fed. If you be the Christ, come off of that tree and save yourself and save me. So near to Christ, yet so far away. Joe wanted to be saved, but he didn't want to do it God's way. Then the other thief, John, said, For our crimes we should be dead, but this man has done no wrong. He's healed the sick, and he's fed the throne. Speaking to Jesus was his humble plea. Lord, in thy kingdom would you remember me? And Christ promised him that he would rise and be with him in paradise. So near to Christ, never far away. He loved Jesus, and he came God's way. You too must face Jesus someday. Was, what then to him will you say? Will you as bold as a first thief dare? Or will you be like John and come to him in prayer? Will your voice with denial ring? Or will you accept him as your king? It's your choice. You must choose well. Accepting him means heaven. 
Rejecting him means hell. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this invitation. I just pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, God, that you would do what no man can do, and that's draw people to you by your spirit. Lord, I pray for those today who need to be saved. Lord, they made it complicated. They may have pride. They may be confused. But Lord, I pray for them today to come to the simplicity of the cross to know that Jesus died for their sin. And if they'll ask him to come into their heart, they can be saved. It doesn't matter if they've had an abortion. It doesn't matter if they've been a drunk, a drug addict. It doesn't matter if they've been divorced 15 times, how many prisons they've been in, how many lies they've told. It doesn't matter, Lord. Anyone and everyone can come to Christ. So I pray today that we would see the need to be saved. And God, you would draw us to you as only you can. And Father, I thank you that the man in the middle cross said I could come. So, Lord, I pray today that we would be like John and we would say yes to Jesus. I believe that you are who you said you are and say you are. I receive you by faith. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Lord, I pray that we'd have people all over this building today come and be saved, children and adults, young and old. And those watching today by live stream would kneel by their TV, Lord, or their computer, and just say, Father, save me today. Come into my heart. Change my life. Transform me, Lord, by your power. And I pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Would you stand right where you are? Would you stand today? we got counselors here that's going to can minister to you. Don't worry about that. Don't get caught up in all of this. Maybe you just want to come and sit on this front pew, and I'll talk with you. Whatever your need is today, you just come and receive Christ. Don't let the devil discourage you and talk you out of it. Why don't you come today and do just like John. Believe that he is who he said he is and say, Lord, remember me. And he will. He has. I pray you'd come today and do business with God. Will you do that right now? Would you come? Will you come? As we sing, Dwayne, you come.